This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We are here with a Sunday reaction pod on a Saturday. We're doing it the day after. KU football defeats Missouri State 48-17 in the season opener. As always during the football season, I am joined by Kevin Flaherty. We both were competing for who could stay up (laughs) into the early hours of the morning. Kevin was out on the recruiting trail last night watching some high school football games in the state of Kansas. Um, was down in Wichita, right? And yep, yep. made the drive back. Yep. Yeah, made the drive back right right away. Actually caught uh, half of, of two games. We uh, we saw Topeka play at Mays and then uh, and then went over to watch uh, Bishop Carroll in Wichita Northwest. And so got to nice. uh, got to see quite a few players and then immediately pretty much Hop in the car, head back, uh, grab some uh, some late night fuel, courtesy of uh, of new show sponsor Taco Bell, and uh, <laughs> and uh, sit down to to watch the Kansas game and, and see how that went. And of course, you know, I'm I'm like you when I watch the game um, back on TV. It's not a straight through experience either. You know, you're not just watching; you're kind of rewinding some things to to see, okay, what, what happened when that play was blown up, what happened that made that play work. And, and so uh, I think both of us probably got to bed uh, pretty late last night. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Late. And that's the thing about the, I, I thought to myself, Oh, seven o'clock kick, you know, if it's a blowout, you know, maybe I'll, I'll be able to get to bed by two and you know, <laughs> it was three, it was 3. AM. And so here we are, we're recording about, you know, 10, 10 30. So um, got a lot to dive into though. I think this was a, you know, Considering the ebbs and flows of the game, I feel like this was a pretty interesting season opener. Even at the end, yeah. you're kind of looking at it and saying, all right, KU definitely ran away with it, really controlled the game. Uh, but let's start at the, the quarterback position because obviously, you know, Kevin, I'm, I was there in person, watched Jalen Daniels warm up. Um, going into the game, the feeling was he probably wasn't going to play. Uh, that's based on the practice reps over the course of the week. And yeah. 
I also think that they just don't want to risk him at this point in time when you've got a really big game against Illinois coming up next week. But watching him warm up, he looks perfectly fine. Like you, if you told me he was going to play, I would have said, okay, like he looks like he could play. But man, Jason Bean, I thought he had a, a really, really good performance on Friday night. Um, just overall, his improvement, I think, over really, you think about that first game against South Dakota two years ago. You think about maybe like the TCU game, then the Oklahoma game last year, but then you see him play last night and look, I mean, I've pulled up the stats here for the YouTube audience, but 22 of 28 passing 276 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I believe it was what five carries for 41 yards. Yeah. Like if you told me Kevin going into this game that, Hey, like three weeks ago, if you said, Hey, this is Jalen Daniels stat line in the season opener, I would have said, great a great start to the season got a lot of confidence in what he's going to do going forward and so hey hats off to jason bean i think his improvement really shows and i think he's a guy that ku can win games with if if they need to this year yeah for sure and i thought um you know people are going to pick apart certain plays and say oh you you missed this wide receiver or whatever else that's what day after film is, is for is to say you know you had this guy open that that you maybe could have hit here there were a couple throws maybe that, you know, were, were turnover risks. You know, you think about the, the throw kind of into triple coverage around mm. uh, Jared Casey. But but I'll be honest with you, Swain, one of the things that stood out to me um, that was a major positive kind of outside of the stat sheet, um, I'm trying to think exactly when it was. It might have been when KU was up like 27-17, and KU had the ball, and they faced a really big third and five. Oh. And he put the ball on LJ Arnold, you know, in a really tight spot mm-hmm. to get the first down. Kansas goes down and scores, you know, kind of stretches that that game out, and, and they wind yeah. up finishing the way that they did. I feel like if we were to criticize Jason Bean from a year ago, it was that when Kansas needed that one big play in the moment, they didn't always get that one play. Yep. And, and I realize it's Missouri State, but I think you can still look at these things because they're instructive. That, to me, was one of the things that stood out, was Kansas had to have that third down. You you punt the ball back. Maybe you're in a situation where your defense is starting to tire down a little bit. Maybe they score and make it a one-score game, and, and you know things start to get – a little bit hairy instead they get the conversion they drive down they score uh what what were kind of your thoughts yeah. on, on what you saw well i, I love that you mentioned that because i've got my like notebook here of stuff that i wrote during the course of the game and i, I wrote down two kind of wow throws and they're not even the ones you mentioned there's a, a third and seven uh to quentin skinner that yep. he fed right in there i think it was like a slant that was a great throw really strong really pinpoint accuracy and then there was another wow throw to Mason Fairchild on third and 13. Um, that was yeah. after KU ran that kind of strong side outside run that Cable do got beat on and just blew up Devin Neal for a loss of seven. And then they're able to make it back. But then third and 13, right? Those are the big throws I think that you need to be able to make. And yes, it's against Missouri State, but that doesn't change the fact that I think the, the third and seven was tight coverage and a tight window the opponent doesn't change that exact scenario where you have to have that sort of accuracy. And I thought sure. that was really good. I think maybe a lack of sharpness a little bit in the deep throws. Um, there was the one, obviously I think to Lawrence Arnold, where if he's able to throw it out in front of him a little bit more, 
Maybe you're looking at a touchdown that's walking in. There's the one to Quentin Skinner where he had to kind of stop and then really try to accelerate again. Um, but I thought generally, like, it was a good performance from Jason Bean and the offense. I think overall operated at, you know, at a pretty high level when you look at kind of the stats at the end of the day, right? You know, you're looking at average yards per play, basically eight yards per play. And there's what, 10 and 10 or 11 plays at the end of the game where the second team offense. And so I think generally for me, uh, the offense looked good. Let's talk about the offensive line though, because I thought that was an interesting, um, Wrinkle, Armaje Reed Adams, who was supposed to start at left guard, um, was injured, so he did not play. He did go through warm-ups, looked like he was moving fine, but one of the guys that basically when the game started, he went back in the locker room, changed into street clothes. So as a result, what we heard all camp, right, was that KU is going to use the sixth best offensive lineman, not necessarily the left guard backup. So that sixth best guy is Kobe Baines. That's a really interesting little nugget that we learned, I think, on Friday night where, okay, Kobe Baines is the guy that they trust the next most out of everyone, where Baines comes in at right guard where he played for most of camp. Michael Ford being the utility knife that he is, um, moves to left guard. And so what did you think of the offensive line's performance overall? I thought up and down at times. What did you think of it? Yeah, I thought mostly positive. Um, there were definitely some things that uh, that you would circle. Obviously, the thing that most people, I think, are are going to wake up and talk about from a negative standpoint is fourth and one. Uh, mm-hmm. In that situation, uh, the offensive line didn't really generate push. They didn't change the um, – they didn't really change where the line of scrimmage was uh, yeah. on that play. And, and the reason it was blown dead wasn't – or was was stopped short wasn't because of that. You know, Mason Fairchild whiffed on a block that, that got a guy, you know, right in the runner's path. But at the same time, it, it's both, right? If Mason Fairchild makes that block, you get the first down. If the offensive line dislodges Missouri mm-hmm. State's defensive line, you get the first down even with Mason Fairchild missing that block. And, and so – you know, that that was one that was negative, but you look at some of the others, I think they converted a third and three where they kind of ran it straight at them and was one of those situations that we've talked about a lot on this show where you want to run the ball, your opponent knows you want to run the ball. Are you able to run the ball in that situation? Um, I, I think there were some, some positives there. Um, I, I thought Kobe Baines played pretty well, especially given the, the circumstances and everything. I, I thought it was interesting um, when Kansas started rotating through some of the the second team guys, if you will, um, Dre Dwaran going to center. Um, you know, you uh, you got to see Logan Brown out there a little bit. Bryce mm-hmm. Cable do I think moving over to left tackle mm-hmm. um, and, and some of the some of the things that that they've done for for a really you know they've done at practice and they did at the bowl practices and things like that you see that coming out on the football field and you can tell they feel better about their quality depth. It's not, Hey, these five guys have to stay healthy or we are in absolute (laughs) trouble. Um, And so I I do think that there were some positives in there. Obviously you run the ball, you know, 6.4 yards per carry. You're going to feel pretty solid about that. I do think, you know, there were some big plays, obviously, that that helped that average out quite a bit. But at the same time, you know, kind of no matter who Kansas had in that backfield, uh, 
they they were able to find some success and a big part of that was that I think for the most part the offensive line was was doing what it was supposed to do yeah I agree I think overall you know if you're gonna give it a grade I'd say like a B because I think there were times right where you'd like to see the offensive line get more of a push up front I think that fourth down one I think you nailed it Kevin that's one of those where you watch it live and you're like, oh my gosh, how did Cage not offensive line not get the right push and not push Missouri State three yards? And then you watch it back and it's like, well, actually they, they kind of did, but then Mason Fairchild misses the block on, on the linebacker who's the one that makes the play. And yeah. so I think that's one of those where you watch it back and it's like, okay, so that probably changes maybe your opinion where the first time when you watch it, your instant reaction might be something different. Um, on the topic of running backs, I, I thought that group looked really good. Devin Neal, yeah. man, that, that first run he had, the touchdown, where he gives the guy like a shimmy and then gives the other guy a shimmy, that was like a, a little bit of agility that I think towards the end of last season when he was a little bit more banged up, maybe you didn't see as much of. And so sure. I thought that was really impressive. You got the full Daniel Highshaw experience, <laughs> you know, from fumbling to then trucking someone later. Um, it's good to see him back out on the field, especially considering, you know, everything that happened to him last year, but even Dylan McDuffie, right. Showcases what he can do. And his, his first carries a touchdown. I thought that position group overall, you know, it looked pretty good. And I think depth wise, you feel all right about it where you look at it and, you know, Devin, even if he gets banged up, he's always available. Like he doesn't miss games. Um, we'll see how high shot progresses over the course of the season. McDuffie's a guy that looks physically like he'll be able to stay available over the course of the year. And then as, as kind of your fourth guy, you've got Sevion Morrison, who I think showed some stuff in the, in the fourth quarter. So I think that's a position group that I think you thought going into the season, they've got the depth, but now that you see it in person, you're, I thought it was really impressive. And I thought that group looked pretty good. Yeah. I thought the, the agility note was a really good one because I, I think we talked about on the show, um, kind of the clips that Kansas was showing early in camp, like just the little highlight stuff. And there was some stuff, in, and Devin looked, I mean, you're looking at five-second clips or whatever, but there but there were a couple of them where we, I think we noted on this show that Devin maybe looked a little bit more, more agile, a little bit more mm-hmm. fluid um, the, than he did late last year. And he certainly put that on tape last night, looked really, really good. Um, Daniel Hyshaw, the touchdown run was was obviously tremendous. Vintage. He's, he's got to hold on to the football, you know, and, and that's something we talked about last year, even before he got hurt. When he was, yeah. it, people forget he was Kansas's leading rusher when he went out hurt, and so you know he has that ability. You know, there there are some NFL people who like him better than Devin Neal, and so. That's one heck of a, a one-two punch, and, and then you add in, you know, some of the other guys. You know, Tory Lachlan being another one that's kind of that jack of all trades guy mm-hmm. that yeah, come the backfield catch the ball. And I know while they don't necessarily need him at this point, I know we we feel positively about Johnny Thompson if he's a guy that that winds up needing to to play a little bit. There is some great depth in that room, and I, I think you know if. Uh, uh, I think if Highshaw can tighten up the ball security a little bit, um, you're going to feel a lot better about him out there. He had four carries. I don't think he's going to have four carries against Illinois. I'm guessing it's it's going to be a little bit closer to 
to 10, especially if he does hold on to the football. But mm-hmm. That's it was it was it was also great to to see him out there and doing the positive things that, that he did and, and scoring that touchdown. Yeah, and I think too, right? <laughs> if you fumble the ball, you know, I think that was what a second carry. I had a yeah. very poorly, poorly timed tweet where it was good to see Daniel Highshaw back out there carrying the ball and then he wasn't carrying. I like it. I liked on the uh, on the broadcast uh, Amon Green, who, uh, who who struggled for a lot of the broadcast. If we're being honest, oh. uh, he he said that Highshaw kind of threw the ball at the defender, and it did kind of in, in real time. It, it did kind of look like that a, a little bit, uh, but but it, it was uh, it, it was great to to see Highshaw out there for sure. Yeah, and I think too, it's one of those where you you look going forward, right? If he can earn that trust, right? I think that's a big word in the program, right? That, hey, you know, you're not going to fumble or or things like that. But I think it also goes to show, Kevin, right, how big a fumble can be in the game. Because you're looking at KU potentially going up 14-0. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the fumble happens, Missouri State scores, and then they go and get a, um, uh, a field goal. Oh, wait, no, I'm getting my timing wrong. Sorry. Then they get touchdown next. All right, I'm screwing up in my head, whatever. But basically, the fumble swings the momentum where it looked like Kansas was going to run away with it. And the crowd's getting into the game. And all of a sudden, the fumble happens, right? And then the next drive, I believe, is when the turnover on downs happens. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of a, a close game. And then Missouri State takes the lead. And so I think that goes to show you, too, how impactful fumbles can be in. We've talked a lot in the past just about KU need to widen the margin for error within the team and w- within games. And if you can limit the amount of fumbles and turnovers and things you can control, right, that's a really good way to make sure you can blow out a team like Missouri State by even more, which I think is also crazy. Mm-hmm. We're looking here at, at a 48-17 game, and you're saying, man, you know, KU could probably have an extra two touchdowns. Like, they could have scored 60. They could have yep. scored 60. And so it's just one of those two where I think the fumble changes the momentum. It takes the air out of the stadium. The stadium was rocking early on. I thought the atmosphere was really good. The students showed out, which was awesome to see. But then the fumble happens, and then the turnover and downs happens, and it's like quiet. And it took a while for, I think, the crowd to get back into it, understandably so. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think, you know, we're – we're harping on that one play, but the reason why is we, you know, if you've watched this show, you've heard us talk about Kansas needing to play clean football. And mm-hmm. if Kansas is going to beat the teams at the upper end of the Big 12, and we saw Kansas compete with the upper end of the Big 12 when they played relatively clean football, not perfect exactly. football, but but relatively clean football. And I think, you know, you look at the fumble, you look at, you know, the, the roughing the passer, uh, play, you know, the, the prolongs thing. I mean, it, you, all of that adds up to a point where you, you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball a little bit. It didn't matter, you know, last night, but would it have mattered if you were playing Oklahoma or TCU mm-hmm. or, or somebody like that? And that's, that's kind of what you're, what you're looking at here. Yep. I exactly. I totally agree. Well, I think I'll do it for the, the offensive talk. Uh, let's go to defense. And you mentioned someone there that I, I want to start with, because let's start with the just defensive line as a whole, because sure. I think that's exactly like if you could draw up what KU wants, it's defensive line to look like and do in a game, especially against lesser opponent. 
that's exactly it. Just create vertical knockback. Those guys were getting upfield, really distorting the pocket. We can talk about the impact that has on other parts of the game in a second, but I think just generally like what you wanted to see from that defensive line in that game is exactly what happened. I thought the defensive tackles were really solid. I thought DJ Withers had a great game. Devin Phillips is a guy that's never going to get many plaudits, I think, but if you watch games back, he's taking double teams all game and it allows other guys to play one-on-one, which with the athleticism KU's defensive line has, that's exactly what you want. And so I thought the defensive line looked great. I thought I thought Hayden Hatcher had a great game. He's yeah. someone that I think you're looking at him and saying, okay, he's the elder statesman in terms of being around um, on that weak side role. And I thought he came out and had a really good game. Jeremy Robinson had a good game. So overall, like for me, I left the game thinking this defensive line, like it looks the part in a game where it should dominate. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing was – they wanted to get a lot of guys, a lot of reps. Right. And, mm. you know, I remember looking in the first quarter and Keenan Caldwell was out there yeah. in the first quarter. And so they were going to use their, their depth in that game and also find a way to get a lot of guys, uh, different reps. Jordan Peterson, I thought called a really interesting game. And, and maybe you want to talk about that a little bit because, yeah. you know, Brian Borland out with the, with the health thing, Peterson calls the game, you know, I felt like maybe a little bit more aggressive game plan. You know, they sent, you know, guys that felt like maybe a little bit more often than, than they did at times last year. And I'm not saying that's strictly a Peterson thing. I think we could see that under Borland with this year's team, because I think this year's team is built more for that. When you look at what the defensive line is capable of Mm -hmm. the speed that you can have, at that second level, especially when a guy like J.B. Brown is in. And so I do think that, you know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if, hey, this is just who Kansas is now. But I did think the game plan was different than, say, what we would have seen last year. Yeah. Okay. So real quick on the on the Brian Borland front. So he was not there on Friday. He had a procedure earlier this week. We've not got any other details outside of that. Lance Leipold said this was a planned thing. They've known about this for, um, I believe, maybe a few weeks or a month now. It was supposed to happen during camp, but it got pushed back. So he was not available. They're hoping he'll be back at some point in the next few weeks. So it sounds like Jordan Peterson will be kind of the de facto defensive coordinator um, for the time being. Um, Obviously, really hoping Brian can have a, a speedy recovery and get back in the football facility as soon as possible. Um, I did think that, yeah, it was an aggressive approach, but I also think that's kind of what Kansas is going to be this year. They've got to get more creative, and I thought they really did that. I thought there were some more stunts. I I thought Jeremy Robinson on the first third down of the game moving to defensive tackle was was a great little wrinkle there, and I just thought overall that defensive line played great. The defensive ends in particular, I thought, you know, Dylan Brooks on the first third down creates a ton of push. Um, he didn't play a ton in the game, but that was one of those moments where I think you're looking at this defensive line and saying, all right, well, it's got a lot of talent, just not a lot of experience. And that was one of those plays where, man, that's where that talent really showed. And I thought Austin Booker had a great first kind of quarter and a half. I think he kind of quieted down a little bit after that personal foul call. But, I mean, he he was great. His first step, his burst off the ball was awesome. You saw the length and athleticism. He's got to get longer cleats. 
I think is my big takeaway. He's got to get longer cleats. He slipped a couple times, and I think that's what led to um, him kind of hitting the the Missouri State quarterback kind of in the knee area. Was he? I think he slipped and still tried to go make the play, but was so low that it was a really dangerous play. Um, but I, I just thought generally the a- athleticism, even in the whole front seven, honestly, that Craig Young showed out. Yeah. Um, I thought J.B. Brown, he was out there, made some really good plays. I thought he got comfortable. Well, I don't know. Like, Kevin, what do you think about this? Like, we talked so much last year about Craig Young getting comfortable over the course of the season. I felt like we saw J.B. Brown get comfortable over the course of the game, where yeah, I think early I on, maybe he was thinking a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's instincts. It's fast, athletic, and he's got, like, the tip ball for Kobe Bryant where he tips the ball and then Kobe catches it. He's just around the ball a lot. I thought J.B. Brown really stood out to me in terms of kind of that linebacker core as well. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you brought up the uh, Jeremy Robinson, the defensive tackle um, thing, because that was that was one of the first things I like circled when I was watching that first third down. They get the sack on that play. You had Jeremy Robinson and DJ Withers as your two defensive tackles. DJ's a pretty athletic guy himself, but, you know, Robinson's a defensive end bumping in. You had Dylan Brooks rushing the passer next to Robinson. And then you had Austin Booker on the other end and they sent two linebackers in addition to those guys. And so, you know, they, they got home in a hurry, you know, and it was, it was a look that I thought was, was fairly well disguised. I I liked that you brought up the way that they stunted and moved the defensive line guys around, allowed their athleticism to play out in space because this is a, a really athletic group that uh, mm-hmm. I think was very uh, was very tough to block. You know when you had them moving around like that, um, mm-hmm. and JB Brown late in the game when you're watching those last few possessions, it, it really did seem like okay. You know JB Brown woke up, and not that he wasn't <laughs> not that he wasn't playing well before, but all of a sudden, I mean he was all over the place, and, and you saw the. You saw the speed, you saw the instincts, you know, you, everything kind of popped and, and you can see why they've been so high on him throughout camp. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think one thing I'm going to have an eye on kind of going in next week is Tyler Berryhill. Sure. Um, he's got the hamstring issue that he's been working through for all of camp. It looked like he tweaked it on one blitz when Missouri State was in the red zone. He came out, but then he was back in a, a few drives later. And then there was the one play where, there was a wheel route where he had to go run in space and, and you could just see the the left hand. I think it was left hamstring. Um, he just couldn't push to run and sprint. And so that's one of those where you got to keep an eye on that going into next week. But I mean, Tywin's a, a tough guy. He played last year with a broken hand for yep. more than half the season. So, you know, he's one of those guys that I think if you, if, if the coaching staff says, Hey, you know, you can play, but you just got to be careful um and don't like go full bore or you can sit out and heal he'll say oh, i'm gonna play so that's one thing to keep an eye on too is just his hamstring um uh, i thought that marvin grant like best game he's played at, at ku yeah. and so here's what i, I think i want to get into now kevin is the impact that defensive line has on the rest of the defense because i think that's something that happened a lot last year where ku's defensive line was not able to get a lot of knockback they did it at times, but not a lot consistently. And so I think that allowed a lot of the opposing running backs to have a lot of space to make guys miss. And I think what you saw yesterday is the defensive line get upfield 
and just put a lot of bodies around running backs where they don't have a lot of places to go. And that allows guys like Rich Miller, Tom Berryhill, J.B. Brown, Craig Young, and then Marvin Grant to come flying into the gaps where they know that this guy can't give me a shimmy left and shimmy right and then go, right, because there's other guys around and there's so many bodies. And I thought that was really interesting to see how that played out over the course of the game where I really thought Marvin Grant flashed. And you could see that kind of ball hawk ability that he has where there's that one play where he just absolutely smacks the running back in the hole and for like a tackle for yeah. loss. And I thought overall that's one of those things where it's a ripple effect. When your front four can get that push, it creates so much more opportunity for those secondary, uh, for the second level players to go and make plays where they don't have to, to worry about getting juked or, or sent the wrong way. So I thought that was really interesting. And I thought Marvin Grant had a great game too. Yeah, you talk about making a running back make a move early. And, you know, on that specific play, um, the running back started to go forward a little bit. There was push. He kind of had to, you know, slide to the side a little bit to Mm -hmm. try and get to the hole. And then he was down because Marvin Grant came from off the screen, pretty much, you know, teleported through him. And it was... That's what you want to see. And when you give a guy like Marvin Grant a chance to get downhill like that, you know, he, he's going to look pretty good because he's a pretty good athlete. He likes smashing things. I mean, he's, he, from a safety standpoint, you know, he's, he's what you want. And I know yeah. people are going to say, oh, it's, it's Missouri State. Jacardia Wright was a K State bounce back. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a talented running back. And you're talking about a guy that, you know, got 15 carries last night and averaged 1.5 yards per carry. I mean, it's – and Kansas was consistently putting Missouri State behind the chains. I mean, you look at that one for nine, you know, third downs. uh, You know, they they were putting them in positions where third down conversions were tough. And the way that you do that isn't just by executing on third down and – Obviously, you know, we've talked a lot last season about KU would do a solid job of getting opponents into, say, one-third and eight on Mm -hmm. a drive, and then they give up a play. So you still have to execute on third down, but the way you get them into third and eight is by winning first and second down, and they did that at a really high rate yesterday. Yeah, I thought generally, like, there's kind of the – I thought there was one period of the game where there was a lot of missed tackles was kind of in that when the lull happened, I felt like, yeah. and the, the crowd maybe wasn't into it. And it felt like kind of the focus maybe switched down a little bit where I thought, you know, early in the game, the guys were swarming and there was a lot of blue hats around the football. And then it felt like a little bit there late in the second quarter that kind of faded a little bit where it looked like last season, where it's a lot of one guy's got to make a tackle. And, you know, I know, Mellow Dotson missed a couple tackles. I, I think uh, JB missed a tackle at one point. So I think there was still some stuff there with the defense where those coaches are still going to be able to go and coach them up this week and work yep. on the, the the tackling and making sure you're getting hats to the football because I thought when K's defense looked at its best, right, it's in the first kind of two drives of the game where they're really getting hats to the ball or it's in the second half of the game when I think the pressure really ratcheted up and they really kind of kept turning the screw and ramping up the gears. Um, can I use any more analogies here? Um, <laughs> and just kept kind of taking it to the next step. So I thought for me, the coaching staff overall, um, even the players, right. They'll know they've got stuff to work on. 
Sure. But it's perfect because they had, they got takeaways, tackles for loss. They big hits. Like they checked a lot of boxes of what you want to see from a defensive team with still some room for improvement. So I thought overall pretty impressed by the defense. Pretty, pretty yeah, and you saw the good. you saw the turnovers come late, and that was mm-hmm. kind of when Kansas when that score line really stretched, and you know, and, and the game kind of got over. And, and you look at what you want to get from an opener, right? You want to stay relatively healthy. Uh, you know, it seemed like Kansas did that. Mm-hmm. You want to win. It, hopefully, you win by enough that everybody's not freaked out. And um, you know, Kansas uh, Kansas did that. And you also want to have stuff that you can teach on. You know, you mm. don't want to have a game where, as weird as it sounds, you were so dominant that your players feel like they were perfect and they're not going to listen to to what you did. You know, they're going to be able to go into this film room and say, hey, in the second quarter, you guys were losing this game. And, you know, you can, you can point to some things in there and say, okay, this is, this is a moment that needs to change. This is something we need to get better at. And I think that coming out of the opener, it was about as good an opener as maybe you could have hoped for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's hit on special teams. Yeah. We could talk positive about special teams. Kevin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, man, Trevor Wilson. I thought he had a great game. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about him on offensive with the receivers, but I thought he looked great in terms of running routes. And they had that great play on the sideline that I think that's one of those where I think maybe if it had been called incomplete, I don't know if they're going to overrule and call it a catch, but still a great play. But I mean, on kickoff return, it looked like he was going to be ready to break one at any second. I think punt return, he's the perfect type of player you want back there. He's got sure hands. He's got the ability to make guys miss. He's got the offensive mindset. Um, can I, thought, I give you the one big negative on special teams last night? Yeah, what was it? We didn't get to see the Aussie punter. I know. Yeah, that's so true. That's exactly <laughs> what the game was missing. Well, that's what Lance said post game too. So he was talking about Seth Keller, who we can talk about in a second. Sure. And he said, you know, you want to play as many guys as possible in a game like this, except for the punter. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know what? That's that's pretty that's pretty true. And so, yeah, no no punting for. For KU, but man, I just thought the special teams overall looked good. Tabor Allen was kicking the you know what out of the ball, like it was out of the back of the end zone every single time. Um, That was great. Just don't even give him a chance to return it. I felt Uh, bad for bystanders. I thought he was going to hit somebody with how far (laughs) out of the end zone he was kicking that thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember him kicking it like that last year. It wasn't like there was crazy high winds last night in Lawrence. Like it was. There was some wind, but it wasn't crazy. He was absolutely destroying the ball, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It's like, you know, Son Schneider or Aaron Miller um, or Burton, one of the analysts told him, hey, man, you know what you can just do? Take out all the anger you have in the world against this football <laughs> and just kick it out the back of the end zone every time. Don't give him a chance. I think that was great. And then what the one time Missouri State tried to return it, they got tackled at like the 17. Um, yeah. I thought overall that was really good. And then Seth Keller looked confident. You know, he's got the two field goals, you know, exactly what you're looking for. So I thought special teams, like I'd give it an A. Yeah. It'd be an A plus if, if the Aussie played, if Damon yeah. Grease played. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, you don't want to punt, but I think at the same time, there's an interest level in seeing, you know, know. Kansas's new punter and seeing, you know, 
how they're going to handle all of this and, and, you know, how they're going to cover those plays and things like that. And so not actually a negative to, to not punt, but at the same time, a little bit sad from, from our standpoint, we would have, uh, would have loved to, uh, to have that to talk about, but no, other than that, special teams were exactly what you would want them to be. I mean, the only, the only thing that would have made it, you know, better would have been if, you know, if Wilson wouldn't have gotten tackled by the kicker so that, uh, so that he could have broke that thing out for real. But I saw you, you tweeted a prediction about the special teams. And so you're going to, you're going to put that out there for the podcast listeners as well. Yeah. I I predict Trevor Wilson will score a special teams touchdown this year. It's going to happen. Like there, he's just got too much juice. There's going to be a terrible punt or there's going to be a terrible kick at some point that he's just going to house. Like I just feel so much better about him being back there than I think anyone KU had back last season. You know, I'm thinking back now, right? Luke Grimm started off as a punt returner, and then it was OJ, and then kick return, it was Kenny, and then Trevor got one or two games there. But yeah. I think I think this is something where I think, and this is me, you know, pontificating here, but I think this is something where the coaching staff said, Trevor Wilson here's your role this year. You're going to get special teams reps, a lot of them. You're going to get some reps on offense. There'll be some games where you get more and some games where you get less, but this is your role. And he said, great, I'm going to make the best of it. And it seems like he's taken that side of mindset where it seems like every time he's catching the ball, he's thinking I'm going to go. And that's a great spot to be in where he doesn't have to worry about it either, right? He doesn't have to go run out there and go play, you know, 65, 70 snaps like Kenny Logan did on defense last year or – go play defense like OJ Burroughs did at safety as well last year, fielding punts. Like he's an offensive player. If he needs some snaps off, like the KU's got other wide receivers that can go out there and, and get a job done. So I was really impressed. I'm excited you know, to watch Trevor Wilson this year. It's kind of funny. You were talking about uh, kicking the ball with a, uh, with a lot of anger and, mm. uh, and Wilson was, uh, was running like a guy that people forgot that he was maybe the fastest guy on the team. One of them, you know, yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of, uh, of anger in there. You know, a year ago, it, it felt like people were, were saying three guys, right? Jason Bean, Trevor Wilson, and Craig Young in mm-hmm. terms of the fastest three guys uh, on the team. It felt like this year in the offseason, correct me if I'm wrong, People were kind of more giving that to Bean, like, "Hey, Bean yeah. is the the fastest guy." He had kind of separated, and uh, Trevor Wilson, the way he was running last night, I, I think he wants to set up a race and, and decide this thing. So, yeah, he was the one guy. So I think it was Jason Bean got all, almost all of the votes in the poll that yeah. he did, and then I think Trevor Wilson got like a couple. And then someone gave Gage Keys a vote because they're like, someone that big should not be able to move that fast. He runs 20 miles an hour and he's 290 pounds. And so, yeah, I think overall though, Kevin, like I think if you're going to check boxes in a season opener, I, I think they checked a lot of them. And I think it's perfect. There's still things the coaching staff can work on this week, right? It's, hey, wide receivers, can you, and tight ends, can can you run block a little bit better? Hey, offensive line, can you get a little more physical? You know, defense, let's just be a little more sound in our tackling. I think overall, it's the perfect type of season opener. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it does, it sets them up, I think, the way they want to be set up heading into Illinois, too. And Illinois, you know, we aren't, we obviously aren't going to get into that game too much right now, but, uh, 
that's an interesting mm-hmm. challenge because you you have the the three NFL defensive linemen, you know, Terzon Newton and, and mm-hmm. you know the the guys that they have there. It's a different kind of defensive look, I feel like, than a lot of people are playing. It's almost and Swain, you and I talked about this. It's almost like a five-two because you have the three defensive linemen. Yeah, and you've got two edge guys, one on each side of them. Um, you have one middle linebacker, and then one of the safeties kind of walks up and plays a linebacker. And so it's a little bit different look than um, a lot of people are showing. I think you see yeah. it more in the NFL than than you do in college. And so um, that's going to be a challenge. I, I think you know the interesting thing about that is you know some of the coaches that I've talked to have said, hey, the the way that uh, that you attack that is by putting multiple tight ends on the field, making them defend as many gaps horizontally as you can and using those tight ends in the passing game. Swain, that's that's stuff that Kansas is, is pretty comfortable with. That's yeah. that, that's right there in their in their playbook. And it's it's not something that's that's very down deep. I think that's something that they show fairly regularly. Um but at the same time, you know, that, that Illinois defense is probably going to be a top 10 defense, maybe a top 15 defense in the country. And so going to represent some real challenges from, from that regard. It is. It is. I think it's going to be a really good litmus test for just the offense. Has it taken the next step? Because I think you look last season, right? And I think the best defense KU went up against is Ohio State. Yep. And they did a really good job of of stymieing what KU did. And remember, Ohio State's got the three-man front, too. And, you know, at the end of the day, Illinois has a three-man front that then yep. they bring in outside edge rushers to come and help. So I'm fascinated to see what Andy Koldenicki draws up. And I think this game is, is so huge. And, you know, I'm interested to see what the crowd is like for this game next week, Kevin. Yep. Look, I said in the po- in the middle of the show, but, like, the student section was awesome. It was full. It was full. There were some parts on kind of the high 20s and that, and that kind of, if you're watching on television, right, the far right side was kind of open, but the student section did its job, and I think the announced attendance was about 41,000. So, you know, KU needs a really good crowd next week. They need a really, really good crowd. They need like a crowd they got for the Duke game, a crowd they got for, you know, TCU, like any one of those home games, Iowa State, they need a huge crowd because this is going to be one of the biggest games of the season for KU because this is a game KU can win, but it's going to be close and it's going to be a really hard-fought game. So, um, obviously, Friday night, huge challenge. Totally understand it, but just one of those where, yeah, you know, we'd love to see a a big crowd there because I think it's, it's that big of a game. Well, I'll be in the stands. So, I mean, if there people uh, if people people want to swing by and uh, and say hi or whatever, uh, I will. Uh, I'll be around and uh, handing out a uh, handing out high fives and everything. So they're they're, they're not handing great. out beers. Nah. Well, you know, it's uh, the the budget might not allow for uh, for that. I I hope, not, I hope my wife's not listening in the. <laughs> in the other room or whatever, where you're, you know, Swain's in here telling 20,000 people to, to, to come, Kevin's by and see, come by and see Kevin for beers. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see, see how that goes, but, uh, <laughs> but no, it should, it should be a, a really good time. And, and yeah, like you said, I think, 
when we did the schedule breakdowns and all of those different things, this was a game we circled and we said mm-hmm. it's it may not be a conference game, but how Kansas plays in this game really tells you a lot about where they're at and sort of who they can be going forward as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's going to do it for us, Kevin. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good length podcast. We'll come back with questions next week where we'll get some fan questions about things. But I feel like this is one where there's just enough to talk about where let's try and keep a little bit on the shorter end. Um, all the podcasts this week um, with one of our Illinois reporters, our Illinois website's incredible. If you've got time on, on Monday and you want to, or Sunday and you want to check out what happened in the Illinois game against Toledo on Saturday night, check out an ally in Illini inquire. That's a tongue twister. Um, Or you can just type in Illinois two, four, seven in your Google and it'll take you there. But um, that's what we got. Obviously stay tuned to the website fog.net for all sorts of post game coverage. We've got observations. We got takes. I'll have my, the good, bad and interesting column come out on Sunday three things I think, three things I know on Monday. Um, And then we're getting ready for another game week, Kevin. So really excited for what is yet to come this week and this season. Thank you as always for joining us. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? All right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.